0: catch up on here on tailgate the monday episode big fan of the nfl review episodes a lot to review it was a chaotic week i think you said this week made no sense what was the tweet exactly
1: it wasn't a good tweet but it was something (laughs) along the lines of uh nothing about this weekend of football made sense and it didn't like you had aaron Rodgers with no wide receivers out dueling kyler murray you had trevor simeon out dueling tom brady you had cooper rush outdueling Kirk Cousins, actually that one might make sense. But the other ones, I mean, it was just a lot of games just had improbable things happening left and right that this is why the NFL is the best, why it's king. It's because any given Sunday, it's a week-to-week league, as we say here at PFF.
0: I mean, I I was asked earlier on a radio hit last week, like, why, how does the NFL do it? Like, how does the NFL stay, you know, with so much parity? And it's honestly, I do think that they do a really good job of making sure that, like, doormat franchises even have a chance like doormat. For, there are no 30, 40 forty-point spreads in the NFL like there is yeah. for college football, etc. It has been a fantastic season. I mean, maybe the only game where you kind of thought it made sense was you saw the Panthers beating, or the not the Panthers, the Bills beating the Dolphins by fourteen. They covered that spread. They were the only like big favorite, I think, to cover the closing line. But let's go ahead and get into catch an early buzz. I, say, I think it's,
1: I think it's because the NFL sells like hope better than any other sort of league. Whether it's the oh, yeah. NBA, in terms of like three or four bounces here and there decide can decide your season, can make you into, you know, can bounce you in from a worst place team the year prior to a first place team the next yeah. year. So it's so it's so uh week to week. I mean in the offseason
0: too, how much they make free agency like yeah. a spectacle, the draft. Yeah. And I think That's some true. of that too is because with the draft specifically rookies have a huge impact early on like with MLB NHL oftentimes you draft a guy it's not he's not immediately an impactful player and this year we have like four or five rookie quarterbacks starting and it's like okay every single week is 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 a treat. all right catch an early buzz Von Miller traded to the Los Angeles Rams for a 2022 second round pick and a 2022 third round pick and I think a big reason why it's those picks, I don't think he's worth that by itself, is that the Denver Broncos are paying $9 million of the remaining $9.7 million salary for Von Miller. So you yeah. are, I think the Rams are paying a little extra capital to make sure that that contract doesn't ding them. Some people are calling this trade fun to watch. I think we've seen four or five people tweet out that watching Von Miller, Jalen Ramsey, and Aaron Donald will be fun to watch. Do you have a better take than that?
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I. this is an all-in play. This is a we want a Super Bowl, not in the future. We want it literally this year. We are willing to give up. Now, second and third, it's not like hampering you to your knees, but they've already given up next year's first. They have now, are now going to go through the 2021 and the 2022 drafts with one singular top 100 pick. That's Tutu two, two Atwell. Um, so they are basically eschewing any sort of impact rookies like we just talked about, guys that can make immediate impacts on your football team for – One high-end player. And the thing is, Von Miller is not the Von Miller we grew up knowing and loving. I grew up shit. I was like in college when he started playing. (laughs) But the the Von Miller that we saw you know, lead the Broncos to a Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. He is damn near 30. He's almost 33 years old. He's going to turn 33, I believe, after the season. He is, I don't want to say a shell of his former self, but he is not the down-in, down-out, dominant presence. He is coming off an ankle injury, was inactive actually this past week. So he is... If you're expecting, you know, hearing Aaron Donald and Von Miller lining up next to each other, you're expecting something that I'm not sure it's going to be Quite that good, but he is still a massive upgrade over what they have there on the edge for the Rams. Oh, one hundred
0: percent, an eighty-five point six PFF grade this year in run defense, an 83.0 grade. Yeah, he only has twenty-eight pressures and a seventy-eight point two pass rushing grade on the season, but he is, like you said, an upgrade. And when paired with Aaron Donald, obviously Von Miller going to be a better—you know—we'll have better opportunities. And that back end with Jalen Ramsey, etc. they'll have—he'll have better opportunities to get after the passer. I would not be surprised—you know—so far this season, he doesn't have a 90.0 single game grade. I would not be surprised if he plays a lot better or at least more productive football in a los angeles rams uniform and you you spoke to the strategy for the rams do you agree with the strategy saying you know we're not going to be drafting anytime soon here we're going to go go all in with these veteran players do they have enough
1: to go all in i think so i agree with strategy if if you're going to go all in like don't go halfway and make it so that it's like oh we're going to kind of try to push for the next maybe year and a half it's like no try to Make sure, give yourself the absolute best chance of winning it right now and deal with whatever cap hell, whatever sort of bridge you're going to have to cross once uh, those guys who are your elite players aren't playing elite anymore or when your, your roster is completely decimated in terms of like mid-level talent in terms of starters. So I, I think it's a problem that you push down the road that you've already kind of done and you don't want to go halfway kind of like we're and still keep kicking the can like we've seen with like the Saints, where they're they're in a position where they're still trying to hang on to that. Where it's like, well, when they know it's bad, when it's gone south for this Rams team, I think they're going to completely sort of gut the roster and then try to rebuild from there.
0: I will. When we get to the Rams game, I want to talk. about – It will be about, like two or
1: three years down the road, obviously.
0: When we get to the Rams game on our review, I want to talk a little bit about Matthew Stafford and his MVP candidacy, because I do think there is legitimate legs to that. Timo Risquet, a data analyst here at PFF, or data scientist rather, he writes a piece weekly on like who he feels should be in the lead for league MVP. And Matthew Stafford, for consecutive weeks now, has been that front runner with what he's done in the Rams offense. I think he ranks number two in passing touchdowns, number two in passing yards, and it goes beyond that. He has elevated this team to be all in, to be this legitimate Super Bowl contender, especially when you compare just how much of an upgrade he's been over Jared Goff. I think the conversation all offseason was, yeah, he's an upgrade but how much you're seeing now that it's a significant upgrade than what jerry goff was in los angeles one more catch a buzz thing before we get to the review derrick henry hurt we'll have see we'll have surgery mike brable the coach of the tennessee titans is not saying it's season ending there's quote unquote absolutely A chance he returns this season, but he will be out six to 10 weeks with a foot injury. I think it's a Jones fracture or a a broken fifth metarsal, whatever that was. How big of an impact is this? How big of an impact is this on the Tennessee Titans? And do you feel Jerry McNichols, I think a third year back at a Boise State, is enough, or should they go after somebody like AP, maybe Gurley, maybe make a trade for someone? Where's your head there?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I can't tell you exactly how big the impact is because Derrick Henry obviously is unique in terms of his usage just in ter- just in the nfl today like he- he's getting far more carries far more touches and from like the pure epa standpoint obviously the last two weeks like he hasn't done much on the ground yet they've still won games like i i i it's hard to sort of quantify the impact he does make on opposing defense psychologically. It's the thing that everyone's preached about the running game and whatnot, but I do think he's one of the few backs that actually may apply to because of how dominant he has been that teams actually will have to game plan for him. And so you're going to see a different approach to pass coverage against the Tennessee Titans team now uh, than we have in the past. So I think we'll finally get, this will be the ultimate litmus test of, Does that running back matter? That running back that does not offer much in the pass game, if anything. I I mean, he is, in the passing game, he screens. Mm -hmm. He is swing screens. That's, he's not running a route in the passing game. He's a pure runner of the football. How much does that actually impact opposing defenses? We're finally going to get that test in a pretty clean sample here with half a season with him half a season without him to see what this Tennessee Titans offense looks like.
0: Yeah, it's going to be, I think a lot of people are going to, I mean, Eric Eager PFF, I can imagine if McNichols goes off for 120 yards it'll be a running backs don't matter
1: festival on social yeah. media. Uh, Adam Schefter. But, uh, but that's the the bigger thing is not how McNichols produces in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's how Ryan Tannehill produces. The offense, yeah. Exactly. It's like, The play it's, action passing game, all that yeah. stuff. Yes.
0: No. Uh, Adam Schefter shortly after reporting the news mentioned some names that could be available via trade. Tevin Coleman, David. David Johnson and Philip Lindsay, Tyson Williams of the Baltimore
1: Ravens, Ronald Jones, Mike Davis, Rashad Penny. I mean, they drafted uh, McNichols in the third round. Like, yeah. if, you, if you're not going to give, if you're not going to feel comfortable turning the reins over to him, and, and yeah, maybe if like someone like. No, Melvin, McNichols was a fifth Melvin, rounder. Fifth rounder? Yeah.
0: Darrington Evans was a rounder. Evans. Round. Jeez, that's yeah. what I'm thinking. Yeah, of. Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. If you're not comfortable turning the keys over to him, uh, I. Would be surprised, like the I, yeah, I I guess. Evans is on the injury reserve. Oh, though. is he? Okay, yeah. that's why. Well, I'm an idiot. Then I'm completely <laughs> fucking that up. So, ignore everything I literally just said. Um, Melvin Gordon would be probably the guy I'd go after with the Broncos selling off. Still has some in the tank. Obviously, just fumbled this past week, but I, I that would be who I would probably say. You know, not Tyson Williams or whatever. So,
0: yeah, I think he went to Twitter shortly after the Von Miller trade and showed some displeasure with Von Miller on his way to Los Angeles for Jerry McNichols, former fifth round pick out of Boise State. Only has I think what like. 14 carries this season. I'd be, I'm would be. i interested to see what they do. I think they could make a play, at least for backup to McNichols out of the gate. We'll see what they do, though. I don't think it's going to be... Regardless, you're not picking up another Derrick Henry, and this offense is going to be com- potentially a lot different than it was. And obviously, for the fantasy football community, this is a tragedy on all accounts. No one knows what to do now that Derrick Henry, the king, is on.
1: Yeah, won't people think of the fantasy team?
0: Come yeah, on. I'm sorry. I should have thought of that. I saw Chris Long tweeted i thought this is kind of fun to read chris long the former nfl player tweeted out he also hosts a good podcast. that yeah, i was so busy thinking about the human the player derrick henry that i forgot that he also screws my fantasy team and there's no coming back i thought that was pretty great all right let's get to thursday night football in yes. week eight packers let's. cardinals both of us picked the Cardinals minus six and a half. There was not a lot of reason not to. Kyler Murray was playing well. They were without Don Vontae Adams. They were without David Bakhtiari. They were without Marcus valdes scantling This was not supposed to be a Green Bay Packers dub, but a lot went their way. I'd argue that Kyler Murray still played really well. Both of his picks, in my opinion, weren't completely his fault. He had the one pass that was tipped up, and then A.J. Green absolutely lost yeah, in the I mean, end zone. I, I, and Then you factor in the muff punt, too, from Rondell Moore, which I have a take on that, by the way. Rondell Moore muffs that punt. He knows he touched it. Why would you not? You know they're going to review that on cameras. My take is don't play it off. You know, I I think you have to – it's different than a false start. You know, false start, you try and play it off and hope they don't call it. But with a muff, it's like, hey, I touched it. I know I touched it. I need to go get that ball because they're going to review this like 50,000 times.
1: Yeah, I – that might work in high school.
0: Yeah, exactly. It it would definitely work in high school, yeah.
1: You you go for that and you're like, pray to God. Like in basketball – uh, growing up or whatever, if you touch the ball going out, you act as if you didn't. You know, like you never, yeah. you didn't go for it if he's if you he thought there was a close one or whatever. So, I agree though. In the NFL level, there's no acting job to sell it. They got cameras everywhere. So, uh, yeah, that one's obviously was on him. And the breaks, I mean, talk about the mistakes in this game, all went against the Cardinals way. Yeah, like six and a half. You can say it was a dumb. Sort of bet in retrospect, and obviously it ended up going the Packers way, but the pick off Rondell Moore's hands, the bump, the muff punt and the, the whatever at the end, the pick at the end, the AJ Green to Roswell Douglas, all either took points off the board or added points to the Packers that were like that, those flipped the other way and is a blowout for the Cardinals. Oh, so that, that was all great in my opinion, because I'm see a <laughs> Packers fan. So th- that one, the the play at the end of the game though, was probably the most improbable ending I can remember, like at least this season. Going back, I mean, to it it was it was like the Malcolm Butler pick in the end zone, but maybe even crazier because that was guys don't you don't throw to guys running the wrong routes and just get picked in the end zone. Like that just that doesn't happen. Although it kind of did happen the Chargers game too, but in that situation, I, I remember just. That entire drive, the Packers playing like off coverage on like a second and two, and just l- giving them layup after layup down the football field. I'm like, this is how it ends. They get every break in this game, and they're going to just fold right at the end and lose this. And insanity. I uh, that was that was my. We'll just do it right now. That was my cake pants moment of the weekend for sure. For me, <laughs> at least it, this weekend, because that was I, I had I had in my mind already resigned to the fact that the Packers were going to give that game up.
0: I, th- I think uh, we're going to bring up this play a little bit later. A minor cake moment for me was the Cedric Wilson throw. That Cedric, Cedric Wilson on the move, that was a seed and a half. That yeah. guy put it on a rope. The spiral was beautiful. Um, but we'll get to those moments yeah. later. I will say this too. With Aaron Rodgers, you know, LaFleur dialed up an impressive screen game. 70%, over 70% of Aaron Rodgers passing yards came after the catch. He only had a 5.9 average depth of target. I think they did a really good job, obviously, to even be in this game, scheming an offense without
1: Devontae Adams. Yeah, so he had a 5.9 average depth of target, and he had a 62-yard Hail Mary in that game. (laughs) That's insane. If he doesn't, if he take that away, it's a four point two average depth of target, which was, uh, I believe, would have been the lowest of the weekend. So he was, he was not throwing the ball far downfield because, like the wide receivers, one, just like you don't have the rapport to know how they're going to run a post. Like that's so big at the position. It's not just that he had bad receivers. Someone Someone tweeted after the game that like, Yo, Brady has won Super Bowls with similar receiving quarters. It's not that. It's not that those guys aren't good. It's that he hasn't thrown to them at all. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that those guys have not been on the practice field with Aaron Rodgers because you don't give your backups reps for the starters because you don't, that doesn't matter. You don't want Juwan Winfrey taking reps away from Devonte Adams and Alan Lazard and the guys who are going to be on the football field. So he has no clue how these guys are basically going to react in certain situations. You saw a number of miscommunications, even on like underneath screen passes. So, yeah. That was the bigger thing to me of, obviously, about how a getting all backups in your receiving core can affect you. Before we get to the Sunday slate,
0: starting with the Panthers-Falcons game, going to tell you guys that you can use promo code TAILGATE for 25% off any PFF subscription on PFF.com. Support the podcast, subscribe with that promo code. It helps us out a ton, keeps Renner dressed, food on the table, etc. If you want to support Renner directly, use the promo code. You need to see it. 1 p.m. slate, panthers Falcons sam darnold outplayed matt ryan and matt ryan has been playing so well this season this was easily the worst matt ryan was a top 10 graded passer what do you make that okay. face
1: for i am making the face because it's like yeah i played him but it was more because matt ryan played like ass cheeks
0: i know that's what i'm saying okay. and this yeah. was the first this was the first <laughs> bad ge- i mean this was easily well it's his like, worst but game then, of the
1: season. but then think about i'm making hand gestures here and i'm on a podcast which i'm an idiot but think about panthers defense somewhere up here falcons defense somewhere oh, yeah. like on my hand on the table here mm-hmm. like so outplayed given the competition level it's like he ran into a buzzsaw they just didn't have he didn't have a lot of opportunities and and I liked what the Panthers did in terms of getting physical with Kyle Pitts Uh, I think that's one thing that he hasn't seen obviously much of at going from college to the NFL is guys who want to check him like he always was kind of the BMOC the, the big dude that in college, you would have been crazy as a linebacker to try to check them. But these are NFL players, and they got up and got physical with them. And I thought really affected him on his routes more so than we've seen this year. And number of targets fall by the wayside uh, that went his way. So I hats off to the Panthers defense. I really liked their game plan uh, for that this game.
0: Yeah, I mean those those interceptions were awful. I mean he just didn't see Shaq Thompson on the first interception. Stephon Gilmore. It was, got sick, it was a sick pick by Shaq Thompson. Oh no, it was. It, was. it was. It was. And. Um, Stephon Gilmore got physical to Kyle Pitts on that second pick. He never even created a step of separation on that one. The other highlight I was going to mention here, so Panthers, Falcons were favored by three at home. Panthers win this one 19-13. Darnold having a better performance than Matt Ryan. I will say, A.J. Terrell, Clemson, former Clemson cornerback, is playing outstanding this season. Yeah. He's only allowed 55 yards all season, and he's allowed the second lowest passer rating, 55.5, without a pick. And normally that statistic is driven by, you know, interceptions because interceptions have a very positive effect on pass rating loud if you are a cornerback so he has been really stellar this year I think he's been a small bright spot him and Grady Grady Jarrett two small bright spots on what is obviously a very bad Falcons defense yes
1: he has looked well worth that first round pick um you know everyone kind of got on them for passing on CeeDee Lamb I, I don't think it's a mass. it doesn't look it doesn't look like that bad of a choice. Like the you, you one either way, it looks like one of those. In retrospect, I will say this though, with caveat, they've turned into a cover two defense basically there in Atlanta. Cover two corners, you're not going to give up a lot of yards. Mm-hmm. Like that's you are a flat defender as cover two corner. So that that is inflating or deflating, shall we say, his yards allowed to a degree. But it's he's still even in situations where he has does play man because obviously you can't just sit in cover two and that's now what they are doing but even in a situation where he asked, played man he has looked good so uh, hats off to AJ Terrell for sure deserves more love than shit I've seen him get like anywhere
0: Dolphins at Bills Bills were favored by 13 and a half and this was a brutal disastrous beat if you are a Dolphins backer because Ugh. they score kind of a garbage time touchdown late in this game to beat the Dolphins 26 to 11 I will I put this in all caps here and maybe you social if you want to quote graphic you can fire this Dolphins offense into the sun it is a disaster I mean the Mike Gesicki fumble was awful. This offensive line is dreadful, it, it, and and it's not Tua Tonga low I mean it's all it's everything don't have,
1: else. Don't have Tua talking about throw throughout it, though. It'll probably end up like not even leaving the atmosphere.
0: Yeah, I mean this is this was rough, man. This
1: was uh, this was a terrible that was an arm strength joke. It was pretty bad. Uh, it's bad. No, yeah, I mean there's no there's no sugarcoating it. It's a quarterback who can't you know overcome a bad situation with physical tools in a bad situation is kind of what it is right yeah. now. And the Tua did not play well, but he also did not have much of a chance mm-hmm. on, on his 28 drop back passes that weren't screens, RPOs or uh quick game, like actual dropping back two pass. He was pressured 16 times. They, they could not pass protect for drop back passing concepts yeah. and you're not going to win games in the NFL especially against teams like the Buffalo Bills if you cannot run a drop back passing offense and I will, not, so I'll say this the Bills defense
0: is house I mean they are first ranked in EPA per play allowed they have been phenomenal this year they can get after the quarterback they, they make plays on the back end Jordan Poyer I think is one of the highest graded safeties number two in PFF grade so far this season they're good but some of these errors for Miami are like unforced I mean this is a you said it, I think yesterday that it's just like the least well run offense it's just it's just the coaching does they don't look like they're in the right place ever and the other thing I'll highlight too and I know a lot of the blame goes on Tua and a lot of the blame goes on the offensive line Brian Flores's defense ranks 27th in pay per play they're not getting pressure on the quarterback. They're not forcing uh, turnovers on the back end. This has not been a good year on either side of the ball. And I'll say this. If the Chiefs lose tonight, they'll be the most disappointing team in the NFL. But if they don't and they come out of this with a win or whatever, this Miami Dolphins team That's is true. so disappointing, so yeah. disappointing on both sides of the ball. Just a, a really disastrous start for the Dolphins and just in an area where you thought they were going to take the next step. I think before the season, I said this is a team that can make the playoffs you know, in, in 2021. Now, obviously not going to happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, they made kind of an all-in move for Jalen Waddell, thinking oh, that's a kind of over-the-edge sort of piece. You don't give up future first-rounder unless you think that. Um, but it's this is, wasn't the game to criticize the defense. I thought the defense did well. They did a really good job of using their blitz packages, blitzed a lot, and, and still shutting down the Bills screen game. The Bills ran <laughs> 15 screens in this game. They ran more screens than the Packers did. And those 15 screens went for a total of three first downs. Uh, so they, I thought they had a good game plan. It was just the other side of the ball. There was no there was no game plan to save this Dolphins offense. <laughs> Actually, I shouldn't even say it. There probably was a game plan to save this Dolphins offense, but it wasn't what they put out there. And the fact that they still have two offensive coordinators and still look like a discombobulated mess with that Gazeki fumble, um, yeah, jet, that was jet JetSuite motion, which we talked about on last orbit. week's pod. About jet JetSuite versus Orbit. You don't have to worry about that when you do Orbit. Do have to worry about that during jet JetSuite motion. Cost them there. Uh, and, and then their running game, they had the lowest EPA per rush of any team in the NFL this past weekend. So tough scenes all around. Tough scenes in Buffalo. I have to bring this up. I have to break up the structure of the show. Breaking
0: news. Urban Meyer was asked... What oh, he's doing? No. A trade deadline.
1: We, should, we shouldn't record during Irv Erb- Meyer press conferences. They're always—they're just, so always, they're just too entertaining.
0: <laughs> they are too entertaining. He says, "Obviously, we're listening." And then he said, when he was asked if they are buyers or sellers, he said he doesn't know. He doesn't know if they're buyers or sellers at the deadline. That's incredible. That's incredible to me. Okay, I just don't. Th- this is the, the second man time. The drives
1: he, a hard bargain. That's uh, that's negotiating one one. Never the, tip your hands. Never tip your hand. <laughs> this Urban. is the
0: second time he said like I don't know to a question, or he, he was asked about like wait why didn't you know James Robinson play in the fourth or whatever? He's like oh I didn't really think about it. It's like this is not okay. Like I need to I need some more control from Urban Meyer. And we're gonna make fun of you when we get to the Jaguars game because you backed the Jaguars this week yes, and it, it did. was a blowout and it was a blowout. All right, 49ers at Bears this was an interesting game we turned to this game in the office after watching a lot of the rams game and it was a blowout so we moved off of that and watched the 49ers bears game 33 22 49ers win i thought fields played okay obvious threat with his legs he was ding for a turnover play that he fumbled like right out of bounds but the pick wasn't his fault at all i thought he put that right on darnell mooney's hands i thought he played okay that the 49ers obviously played better
1: yeah, because the 49ers won the game. That's that's probably a good take. Um, no, Appreciate I, that. <laughs> I do I do think it was more of an encouraging performance than a number we've seen, um, obviously going for over 100 yards on the ground. like He is dynamic as a runner. We've said this before. He's 220-plus, runs 4-4. That's a no-faking that, and that leads to plays like we saw uh, on that fourth down, the scramble, that could have could have put them in, contention to win, then obviously the defense crumbled like a wet, Paper towel, but I will still say he's scrambling a lot still. I think eight times oh, yeah. on forty dropbacks, and it's just I would, I I go back to Kyler Murray's rookie year when he scrambled only twenty nine times all year, and they didn't involve him much in the running game. And I would try to do that as much as possible if I'm Matt Nagy. shit I don't even know how much longer Matt Nagy's going to be there, but if I'm coaching him up, trying to develop him, I'm saying, and it's like very first play of the game, play action, rolls left. He's got Darnell Mooney in the flat wide open. Maybe a, guy, a defender probably eight yards. The, the throw, if he throws it to Mooney in rhythm, is going to go for four or five. Fields keeps it, runs, three or four-yard gain. It's like just make that throw. If I'm coaching him up, I'm saying just make that throw. Get those, Get that rhythm going. Get those confidence throws in you because the scrambles will always be there. You can always add the scrambles back on. I think the way he's playing right now, you just risk him always going to the scramble, always expecting that as the outlet. And him having success with that, you think it's only probably going to make him do it more because that's, that was the more valuable aspect of his game. And now he did have the dime touchdown throw uh, to Jesse James in the end zone. That was one of the better throws I saw all weekend. But the rate of which he is trying to break pockets and do that outside of structure stuff it's like, yeah, it's great. He is that kind of athlete. That's going to be a big part of his game. But it's the other things that he has to develop at that I would just say, if I'm a head coach, I'm like, no more. Scram-. Like, yeah. do not do that. Like, get the ball out, dump plays before you scramble. Even if it's probably detrimental to the offense right now, it's probably better for his long-term development.
0: I think that's a that's a calculated fair take. Steelers, Browns, Browns favored by three and a half. I liked the Browns to cover if Baker Mayfield was healthy and you could debate whether or not he's 100%. But this was awful. And you have this in your notes too, but like the Baker Mayfield sacks in this game, I think he had four, were all his fault. I like think he's all, he's all holding the ball too long, trying to scramble when he's not fast enough to get out of these yeah. things, run, you know, running into pressure. And this has been kind of the, the, the red flag or the weakness with Baker Mayfield even since his Oklahoma days and that under pressure converting sacks, but also under pressure, like just making bad decisions. And sometimes those are sacks, sometimes those are picks.
1: It, it,
0: it, that is detrimental to, you know, this Browns offense is a big reason why they only scored 10 points. He didn't even have a turnover the play, but the sacks were so bad in this game.
1: Yeah, he has the second highest pressure to sack conversion rate of any quarterback in the NFL. Only Justin Fields is higher. He's at 31.4% of his pressures convert to sacks, which it's like, buddy, you have a torn labrum in your left shoulder. You have a, you have a serious issue that you're hampering that – could at any point at any minor hit even end your season here why are you still taking like get that ball out of your hands as quick as possible and i just keep going back to the i think i've said it before like he just looks like he has such a higher estimation of his own athleticism than everyone else like confidence is crazy he thinks that he is like it's like he was probably the best athlete at some small middle school and has never lost that confidence same like he still is like i can do this and he's got guys who are 40 pounds heavier than him that are much much faster than him chasing him down and just annihilate him he has he is not a creator so he has to just same shit i said about fields like you gotta stop gotta stop trying to create you're not a creator you don't do it you gotta stand in there hang in there and start making some throws when those pockets are tight instead of as soon as the rush comes, dropping your eyes and thinking, how do I break this and make a play outside the pocket? Because it's not happening, and you're only going to get hurt.
0: On the Steelers' side, I wouldn't even say that Big Ben played all that better. You know, that turnover where he played, where he threw it to kind of two Browns defenders' chest, it was that one's a pick, and this game maybe is a little bit different, and 63% of his yards came after the catch. He didn't have, um, you know, obviously wins this game, but I don't think he played all that great either. The Steelers' team... I'm not buying as deep postseason contenders, even though they beat a very good Browns team who a lot of people early in the season, I think we're right to call them legitimate contenders. Now they're starting to fall off a bit. The Baker Mayfield injury and just his play overall has not helped them.
1: Yeah, it, the defense is still legit. I mean, the defense looked fine in this game. Uh, but Baker either either sit him because he's not healthy Or he's things gotta turn around fast because if if he is actually hurt and it's detrimental to his play, he's costing himself a lot of money because he looks like shit out there. Like he is not helping them offensively. And I get yeah, Jarvis Landry also didn't help them offensively with a couple drops, that big fumble. But man, that was that one that one was on Baker. And I will say this the Boswell play. Chris Boswell. Oh, it was incredible. That is what every single person sitting on their couch right now would look like if they tried, if they got hit by any NFL player. That, that was what's unbelievable. W- <laughs> like it looked super violent, and everyone's like, how is this not roughing the passer? That was, if that's like any normal, that's like Josh Allen. Josh Allen doesn't even go down, but mm-hmm. because it's a kicker, that guy flies 30 feet off the sideline.
0: Yeah, because it's more about how far he flew yes. than it was like the actual impact of the hit. Then, like, then the like then how late. The
1: hit was aggressive, but it was not particularly late it was one step hit which is what you get it wasn't in the helmet it was in the chest it was just that Chris Boswell is a <laughs> so stiff compared to your run-of-the-mill NFL player and they kept replaying it too oh, if it you watch the
0: broadcast they just kept going it was phenomenal Eagles Lions didn't even watch too much of this game live I'll say that went back and watched it and it's just what's crazy the craziest stat from this game for me the Eagles win 44-6 Lions with three and a half point dogs at home craziest stat for me Jalen Hurts threw 14 passes. He threw 14 passes, 9 completions. He had like 70, 70-ish yards. Like, he didn't have to do anything. This this it was an utter and utter collapse for Dan Campbell and the Lions. Jared Goff looked horrendous. I looked at season today. He has thrown an uncatchable, inaccurate pass, according to PFF, on 48% of his throws 10 yards or more downfield. Like, literally, just like half of his throws aren't even hitting the broad side of a barn down the football field and some of that you know maybe some of that's the receiving core it's not great no one's creating separation whatever but oh my gosh this lions team is in a pit of despair the
1: favorite to get the number one overall pick for good reason uh yeah it I did not go back in all 22 this review, and I'll keep it real. I, I did not see many takeaways that I would glean from watching this Dolphins team. I will just say this I didn't think it was funny that everyone was kind of writing the think pieces about Dan Campbell and the buy in he has, and how it's like, oh, it's still like, you know, the moral victories. They're still, you know, playing so hard for him. And then they put one of the biggest eggs we saw all season long. That just like, that was just a little, little tragic irony there. All righty. On to, Titan, unless you had something else on the Eagles. Eagles yeah, yeah, so no, I'm good. We're good there.
0: Yeah, uh, Titans at Colts. This was one of the better games uh, on Sunday. This is fantastic. I was a, I'm was, a huge fan of watching this one through. Titans 34, Colts 31. It was a great game. It was a great game. A.J. Brown season was the first note I had. A lot of outbreaking routes, too. Just creating separation. Tannehill putting on the money. I'm ready to say it. Ryan Tannehill is good. Like, we, we, we don't yeah. have to keep on, like, waiting, we're waiting, mm. we're
1: waiting. Well, now we're going to find out.
0: No, we're waiting for this regression. Like, we're, I, guess, yeah. I, I guess so. But, no, Derrick Henry was not a big factor in this game anyway. Like, he averaged, like, 2.3 yards per carry. And Ryan Tannehill was just dropping seed after seed. He was very accurate with the football. The, it, the Kenny Moore interception, did you watch that back on the All-22, the Kenny Moore pick for Tannehill? Yeah, it's dope. What the hell? That was Moore, one yeah. of the sickest throws, I have I mean, I mean, sickest picks I've yeah. seen this year. Like he comes, I mean, he peeks inside towards, I think it was A.J. Brown uh, breaking defender and, like, turns right as the ball's coming. Like He knew he was going to throw that yeah. football, and I think they were in, what, cover two there?
1: It was a while. That wild. one and in the, in the C.J. Gardner-Johnson pick were yeah. both awesome interceptions. C.J. Gardner-Johnson comes off a guy in man coverage. Yeah, that was man. That yeah. on I was right. cover that, one, too. It wasn't even, like, yeah. two man. That was nuts. That was sweet, but here, here's, a, here's a good statistical take that is obviously dead wrong, but Derrick Henry, four point three yards per carry this year. Ryan Tannehill, seven point two. Maybe they just give Tannehill all these carries. Stop, stop, stop.
0: I don't. So we talked a little bit at the top, obviously, on what this Derrick Henry injury is going to have an impact on on the on the
1: Titans. But you still feel really confident they're going to win the AFC South. Yes. Uh, so okay, they they have a three game lead, which is a fairly large lead in the NFL, and they have the tiebreaker. So the Colts—they have now beaten the Colts twice. So the Colts have to not only catch three games, but then not be tied at the end yeah. of the season. That, yeah, I, I feel very confident. Derrick Henry's good; he is not. I mean, you, but you still have AJ Brown and Julio Jones. You still have one of the top five or so receiving cores in the NFL with Ryan Tannehill. So I, and in a division that you get. Uh, a number of layups still going forward with the Texans and the Jaguars. So, yeah, I feel fairly confident in the Titans still, even if I'm not certain that they're, you know, even if I would be very surprised if they do end up like getting the one seed in the AFC.
0: I put my notes here. We didn't talk a ton about the Colts, but I put Carson Wentz, what the literal F-bomb. I don't understand the interception in the all end right, zone. Right.
1: Go. Interception in the end zone was a screen to Mo Cox. It was supposed to be a screen, got blown up by a defensive defender being in the passing window, and so, yes, he should have immediately spiked it towards Moe Cox's direction, thrown it, you know, at the at the defender's hip or whatever, and just done it. But after after the first pump, that he didn't do that, he was kind of screwed, yeah, because yeah. then there was another guy coming, like he had no, there was no real, and then Moe Cox kind of backing up to where. There's no guy to throw it to, so that left-handed heave that he did end up doing, and he's sitting in his own end zone. Left-handed heave he ended up doing, I think, could have been called intentional grounding, which would have been a safety. Would have been interesting to sort of if they had thrown the flag, would have been an interesting thought experiment of do we take this touchdown that we just got, or do we have them pump the ball back to us after the intentional grounding, and now maybe they could have onside kicked. But it would have been... You can't onside kick a punt, can you? I mean, like it, you can just like try to rip it off a guy in the front line, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I've never but seen it. <laughs> it would have been an interesting thought experiment of what to do because I think they had like a minute 30 or minute 45 or something with uh, the Colts only having one timeout. So they could have gotten it down to like 20 seconds. I think you probably still take the touchdown and just say, hey, we're going to make you go the entire length of the field, score a touchdown. But that I would have been interested to see. Maybe we'll have to ask Eric what the sort of... Decision there would have been in terms of what they what a computer would have told us.
0: To I'm willing to hear the argument that maybe that looked
1: worse than what it actually was.
0: But the overtime interception. He, he didn't have. Was- yeah,
1: so he didn't have much of an option. The overtime one was far far worse.
0: Yeah, it was a backbreaker. Far too. far it was worse. game.
1: I mean, that's there. You go look at that play at the all twenty-two. You have two linebackers sprinting on the route that he ends up targeting. I believe um, sprinting back to cover that after uh, I think it was play action fake. Jonathan Taylor. Is then wide open and the dump. like a curl right in the middle of the field. Carson Wentz hits that on time. Jonathan Taylor has at least ten yards of free run. If he makes one linebacker miss, they are in the field goal range on that play right there. That was probably—I mean—that was a disaster. That was the game loser right there. That was why you know probably don't give up first for Carson Wentz.
0: Oh no! Oh no! All right, uh, let's get off this game. Bengals
1: at Jets. Oh wait, one more thing about this game, Carson Wentz. The, the pass interference offense has been fucking humming. Three more pass interference calls in this game. You now it's 223 yards of pass interference penalties in two weeks. It's more than anyone else has all year. The dude is master in the game. I mean, just keep it rolling. Don't don't stop. They, they, he was early in the year. He was just throwing those passes to running backs. Now he's just heaving them up. I love it. Keep going. Like that's a tried and true strategy. That That's why you trade for Carson Wentz. <laughs> I just gave you the, the dichotomy right there.
0: Um, Bengals at Jets. Hand up. I gave the Bengals a kiss of death. I showed support.
1: No, you, you switched, didn't you?
0: I switched, but I feel like it's still like God knew. Yeah. God knew where I was I leaning. Not switch. The, like, he wouldn't let the switch go through. I give the Bengals some credit. I give the Bengals. I think they're going to cover. Quinn's clamoring in the back room saying, "What the hell? Don't do it." I do it. Bengals lose outright to Mike White. Yeah, it was on the road. But they lose to Mike White, and I'll say this. Mike White... Can we talk about Mike White's PFF grade? I think a lot of people are expecting it to be in the upper 90s, over 400 yards, four touchdowns. And you could argue that both his interceptions weren't his fault. Like, both his interceptions weren't
1: charted as turnover-worthy plays, according to PFF. Yeah, they would would not... They were not going to be picked had they not bounced off his own receivers. But
0: he still only earns a 70.0 grade. A lot of that because... Did not push a ton down the football field. Only a 4.2 average depth of the target. Over 64% of his yards came after the catch. That being probably the biggest reason why you're not seeing that high-end grading from Mike White.
1: Yes. Yeah, that was – it was honestly like the exact opposite of what – of how Zach Wilson plays a position, where it was the ball is snapped, he gets to his back foot, and then if nothing's there, it's immediately going to his running back. It's immediately going – to a hitch it's merely going underneath 4.2 average at the target it's like insanely low for as many as many dropbacks as he had but it was because he was not letting the pressure get to him he only took two sacks he had a lower sack rate than Zach Wilson's had at any game in his entire NFL career it, it was like I said the exact opposite and Zach Wilson needs to go review this tape you know th- that is what he is missing from his game and why they cannot seem to stay on schedule as an offense is because that's all literally Mike White did was get you three yards, get you four yards, get you five yards, expose the Bengals underneath linebackers, underneath zone coverages again and again and again. And if Zach Wilson can marry that aspect, you know, he can, what we just saw from Mike White, if he can put that into his game, he is an elite NFL quarterback because the arm talent, the downfield ability is still special as he's shown, but he cannot keep breaking the pocket the way he has in the past. Mike White, was not trying to make plays outside the pocket, was not trying to be that guy, was just trying to get the ball out of his hands, not get killed. And sometimes that's a way to a successful offense, especially when, as we've said, Bengals still not an elite sort of back end of the defense just yet. Mm -hmm. Good. And I thought Chidobe I should have had a pick in this game, but still this was... Uh, the Bengals linebackers got exposed to a degree.
0: Yeah. And I think the biggest reason, if you wanted to highlight, was it Mike Hilton on that helmet-to-helmet? Oh, okay. Yeah, we got to talk about that. That was was a disaster. Mm -hmm. I think you mentioned, I think in a tweet, that roughly the passer penalty should be reviewed. I think those helmet-to-helmets should also be reviewed because that was not on.
1: Oh, no, I wasn't saying. I didn't mean like reviewed-reviewed. Just... Don't have them be penalties. This is what I meant. Like, oh, don't really? like change the rule book. Re- re- review the rule book. Like, not review the I'm of the game. opinion
0: it should be like college and you should review them. Like, review review if yeah. that was a penalty. Like, you see that called all the time. Because sometimes when it's happening live, it can look so much worse than it is. It can look, and like you see that in college where they'll review it after throwing the flag and say, actually, no penalty. That's what should have happened for that, that, that hit right there. Because yes, it technically was helmet to helmet, but the running, Hilton was coming so, like, four feet off the ground with his head, and the running back dips. To like earn the helmet to helmet contact and ultimately cost them that game. Like it cost them an opportunity yeah, to win if, that game. If
1: anyone lowered the helmet with relation to their spinal angle, it was the receiver. Not spinal angle. I like that. No, you're Hild- right, though. I get what because you're Because Hilton's spine was at the exact same angle as his helmet, which you literally can't, can't change that. <laughs> like you, you can't go if you're going backwards with it, you're you're really screwed. So that's when you are at the angle of making a tackle, your helmet is going to be pointing downwards because that's straight up how What's the body? What's the study of the body? Anatomy works. That's how yeah. your anatomy works. But the running back, when you tilt your head down like that, that is what lowering crowning is. I mean- um, so I, I, that was an absolutely egregious call to lose on that. Sucked. But the Bengals still have other reasons to be kicking themselves in this game. Like, oh, for sure. Yes, that was one bad call. But they threw away some other opportunities also.
0: Bengals defenders missed fifteen tackles in this game, the most of any team this week. And I think yeah. it was top ten among all games this season for one side of the defense to miss that many tackles. They were not good. And they, that's how you gain, you know, so much yards after the catch. That's how Mike White throws for over four hundred yards is your defense is giving up extra yards by missing tackles on these things. So Rams at March though,
1: drop swatch two. That was rough. The one in the end zone was gross. That one was really bad. He would that have one two It would just, TVs like, in one this just game. like hit his pads. I didn't even like see it. That one was pretty brutal. But now five and forty three attempts, over ten percent. Five and forty three catchable, over ten percent drop rate. Bust. See a bust? Is it too top, early to start top talking top, bust?
0: On, what's your problem? No, honestly, what's your problem? Rams at Texans. Texans favored by fourteen when we had this pod. It closed, I think, at sixteen and a half. So the Rams don't cover the sixteen and a half. They lose. I don't have the score. In if you play. held your nose and took 14, though, if you held your nose and took the 14, it would have covered. I <laughs> thought Terod Taylor was going to play in this game. It ended up being Davis Mills, and Davis Mills didn't play all that terribly. I thought Davis Mills actually played well in this game. Rams win 38-22. A lot of those, a lot of those 22 points coming in garbage time, though. But my notes here. I want to talk a little bit about Matthew Stafford. I mentioned him at the top, but Davis Mills was not horrendous. Had that really nice throw to uh, Brandon Cooks down the left sideline. I just, uh, I think it was so slow. Like it was slow to get this thing going. And then by the time they were actually putting things together, Rams had backups in. And I was going to say, like
1: he played fine when the Rams literally could not have given more of a shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was over before halftime that I think the Rams took the foot off the accelerator and said, do whatever the hell you want. It doesn't really matter.
0: I'm of the opinion, though, and I mentioned this at the top, that Matthew Stafford should be the favorite to win the MVP right now. I'm of the opinion that he's playing that well. Even from a box score perspective, like I said, number two in passing yards, number two in passing touchdowns, both behind Tom Brady. Now, Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford both have equal odds to win MVP according to DraftKings Sportsbook. The favorite right now, plus 250, is Josh Allen. And I get, there is obviously you know a conversation for Josh Allen. Buffalo Bills are one of the best teams in the NFL. But Matthew Stafford, what he's done to elevate – This Rams team over Jared Goff is honestly super special. And with Tom Brady playing as poorly as he did last night, you have Kyler Murray playing, you know, not winning that game against Green Bay. I think there's going to be a bigger conversation around Matthew Stafford being the favorite to win the MVP. I think it will be between, though, Brady, Allen, Stafford. That's who it is right now.
1: Yeah, I think Stafford statistically, quite obviously, is that dude. Uh, Grade-wise, actually performance-wise... I think other players have been a little bit better, but like again, that all takes into account the fact that, or grade wise, can take into account more difficult throws when he has made. How do I want to put this? He he is like still operated the offense very well. It's just the offense hasn't asked him to do a ton because, you know, Sean McFay is a good fucking head coach. So like I, I, it's it's hard to separate those two things. Um, So he hasn't necessarily needed to go above and beyond to still rack up wins rack up good numbers that sometimes is indicative of good good quarterbacking still so yeah it's hard to go against him kyler murray i would probably lean towards if i had to go one or the other i'd probably say kyler murray but to each their own at this point shit we don't have to decide for nine more games
0: on to the 4 p.m slate patriots at chargers i'd like the chargers to win this game and cover the five and a half but patriots patriots 27 24 they win mac jones looked really good in this
1: game. And I would say the other takeaway that I had is both these options. Mac Jones lines. looked really good? That was news to me. You don't think <laughs> Mac Jones looked good? He had like one good, th- he had his best throw this season probably, the throw to Nelson Aguilar. Yeah. He looked fine. I don't, I don't think he, I plan saying he looked good, like he looked okay. It was not the reason they won this game. Uh, the defense was the reason they won this game. Defense played exceptionally against Justin Herbert. I, I thought their game plan uh, was terrific. They had been, you know, Bill Belichick, what the fuck did I say? Bill Belichick has always been one of the most man-heavy, you know, DCs, play callers on that side of the ball. That's what they do. They're like double guys, but obviously Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, that's a tough ask for guys. They came out and played the least amount of man coverage they played all season, only 11 snaps in the entire game. Played more cover two than they did man coverage. Justin Herbert even referred to that. It'd be like, we don't see them play cover two on tape, and they come out of this game and are starting to play cover two. So you go and watch Justin Herbert in this game, And he has like he has guys open, but he's hitting his back foot and he is hesitant because they threw a lot of different stuff at him and and some interesting delayed blitzes on him that I really liked. I I thought, again, that was the reason they won this game. And then obviously the the miscommunication pick where Jerry Cook is kind of just out to lunch miscommunication between him and Justin Herbert was uh, ended up obviously being the difference.
0: Yeah, both the Justin Herbert picks. One was the bad drop from Eckler, and then the miscommunication with Jared Cook. And for Mac Jones, I thought he played well. Completion percentage is pretty horrendous. He had the two. I think he had two big time throws, and it's his third consecutive game with zero turnover worthy plays. And I think that's what this Patriots offense wants from Mac Jones. They want him clean sheets in the turnover worthy play department. The offensive line is so good. Both offensive lines played really well in this one. I still think that he is playing winning football for the Patriots, and that doesn't have to be you know, this high end play like a like a you know. Kyler Murray, Matthew Stafford, but he isn't playing losing football. And it's a big reason why. Five and a half point dogs on the road that come out with the win. We had a Nikhil Harry sighting of the game too. We did, we it's did. And Antoine, passes. so not Antoine Winfield, um, Asante Samuel Jr. on that big, you know, contested catch reception for Nikhil Harry, laying like fully horizontal and then landing like completely on his face. That was one of the more impressive leaps I've ever seen. Like he just like complete all gas, no breaks. I am laying out. That was the most clean layout I've seen. He was fully horizontal mm. parallel to the ground and landed complete, no hands. His hands were completely fl- outstretched. He got hurt on that play, but it was a dope ass dive.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. That <laughs> there was, that's, that was, uh that was something we used to talk about in baseball back in the day was like really the difference between half-assing like a dive for a ball. And then when you really go, cause when you really go and dive for a baseball, you got to do it way before you think, cause you're diving like, you know, 10, 15 feet, like you're going horizontal. If you just want to do that, like slide, half dive, those are not nearly as impressive as the full layouts. Uh, that takes like a mental, you almost got to tell yourself, like, just do it. Because yeah. you, you don't instinctively want to go, like you said, parallel to the ground.
0: Uh, I'll be honest, playing Ultimate Frisbee for San Diego State, I had a handful of really nice layouts if you want to turn back on that tape. Jaguars at Seahawks. Seahawks, you backed Urban Meyer and it was a bad decision right off the gate. Seahawks blow out. The Jags, 31-7. Trevor Lawrence had two big-time throws in this game, and both went incomplete. They were on the money, and they both came in the fourth quarter. Like It took a while for this Jaguars offense to get going. The interception from Geno Smith was ugly, but outside of that, four big-time throws. I thought he looked really impressive in this game. It was definitely a step forward and a big reason why they
1: won 31-7. Back, backing Urban Meyer still seems like a better option than Urban Meyer backing you.
0: Yeah, no, that's true. Well, Urban Meyer
1: backing you looks like a risk. It definitely looks like, looks like, looks like a spot. risk. That was the, that was the hot uh, Halloween costume over the weekend. That I like that. The, one. It was the Urban Meyer and uh friend, shall we say? But no, this one, dude, I I I'm no I'm a bit of a Trevor Lawrence apologist. I was about to say I'm no Trevor Lawrence apologist. I'm a bit of a Trevor Lawrence apologist. He he gets a pass in for this game. Yeah, he, he did. Oh yeah. He got absolutely Hung out to drive by some of the worst plays from his receiving quarter that I've seen. The Tavon Austin, the pick Tavon Austin, he, I don't think Tavon Austin even looked back at the ball. He just starts running right at the safety instead of, le- of taking his route laterally across the field on a deep crosser. Like the two plays later, or two like throws later, Jamal Agnew running across her across the field just stops inexplicably. Like there were a number of just inexplic- inexplicable decisions from his receivers that cost Trevor Lawrence in this game. And then the fact that, shit, Jamal Agnew is your number one receiver, has been his most targeted receiver over the last three weeks when Jamal Agnew was not even starting for the Lions last year. Couldn't even break the starting line for the Lions last year as receiver. This is... this. It's ugly for Jackson. We've said this since like week two. Yeah. I, this Jaguars supporting
0: cast on Trevor Lawrence is a disaster from sideline well, to sideline. Yeah. It is not good. It is legitimately not good. Jamal Agnew, by the way, fantastic story. Doug Hyde sat down with him. A reporter here for PFF wrote a feature on Jamal Agnew. His story is phenomenal. What he's done. I know he's not a great. You know, not. You know, you bring him up in that couldn't even start with the Lions, but he is a fantastic. It's in good that he's like, yeah, That's what they signed him anymore. for. Yeah. All right, football team at Broncos.
1: This was an ugly game. Oh, all right, well, let's give a shout out to Geno Smith, too. That was the best he's probably looked at quarterback maybe ever. No, again, yeah, against the Jags, but that was... He
0: dropped some dimes in that yeah. one.
1: That one to Tyler
0: Lockett? In the... Oh, man, that was... He had a handful of really nice throws. Geno Smith, stepping up. Football team at Broncos. Broncos favored by three. Three before the
1: fire sale. Football team wins this one. Yeah, um... They win and sell a fire sale. It's... Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, and, yeah. It's,
1: and, and rightfully so. I, I mean, they are not competitors with just the way their offense is with the state of that linebacking core, everything. But I want to focus on the other side of the ball where the football team obviously probably shouldn't be, there's not much to sell. You got a lot of young guys, you want to keep them intact. You want to build around them. But my Lord, Taylor Heineke had the worst end of game stretch I maybe have ever seen. That's the four plays after they had God's gift, the fumble from Melvin Gordon to give them a second chance at getting a touchdown. He, on first down, tries to throw a pick. On second down, takes a sack. And yeah, they had timeout, but everyone and their mother knows you don't fucking take a sack in that situation. Third down, throws a one yard pass on the sideline. And then fourth down, last play of the game, he threw it out of bounds, threw it out of the back of the end zone. I was, I, I literally could not believe uh, I, Washington fans deserve better. Just, they just, they deserve better. They, i really hope they end up with whatever qb1 comes out next year because that they they that was just that was too painful to watch this this team has too much talent to be playing the way they are right now
0: yeah, I mean, Taylor Heineke, I think a lot of people after, obviously, that postseason performance were hoping he could be more than a flash in the pan. He has not. He has been horrendous. I mean, he's playing losing football with the football team. You talk about Mac Jones, maybe not playing well, but he's not playing losing football. Like, this is losing football for Heineke. The other thing I wanted to see, I was, I was looking at Chase Young, graded really well in run defense in this game. I actually looked it up. He has the highest run defense grade of any edge defender in the NFL. Ranks just 36th in pass rushing grade. We've talked about Chase Young and his development a little bit on this show. Some concerns, you know, weeks four through six, he doesn't even have as big of a passing rushing grade or high as a pass rushing grade as he had last year. Where are your concerns? Where's the concern meter or panic button on Young? You know, this pass rushing not progressing,
1: maybe as people expected. I mean, that's kind of how Khalil Max. That's the first name I thought. Of. Career started. Like there, there's, beating blocks is a good start. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really care how you beat them. That's... A good start. And Clue Mac comes out 90.3 run defense grade, 68.8 pass rushing. Now that was year one. And year by year two, I was obviously had an elite pass rushing grade, but that's a good start. Obviously, the Washington football team defensive line gets game planned for a lot because uh, they go four across with guys that can win one on ones. So that's difficult. And so those guys get chipped on the edge. A good deal. You get a lot of quick game against them. Like it impacts the game, even if they're not consistently getting pressures. But, yeah, even when he does has had his one-on-ones this year, it hasn't looked like the elites among the NFL. So I, I'm not pushing any panic button when you have the highest run defense grade in the NFL. That's obviously a very good thing. That's still an impactful part of the game. But I would have thought, like, I, I think a lot of, of people are surprised by this. It's not just us. It's not just Washington fans.
0: Bucks at Saints. Saints for five-point dogs at home. What would the uh, Before we start, James Winston gets hurt pretty early in this game. It's confirmed he has a torn ACL. We'll talk about what the Saints should do at quarterback here soon. If you knew Trevor Simeon was going to play as much as he did, what do you think the line would have been before this game started? Oof. 14, 15? Yeah,
1: 13 and a half. Maybe yeah, like I mean, that.
0: it could have been clear. I mean, the Bills were like 14-point favorites over the Dolphins with their starting quarterback. I think this could have been a 14, 15-point spread with Trevor Simeon. And the Saints went outright. The Saints went outright, and Tom Brady has one of the worst games we've seen from him, if not the worst game we've seen from him, in a Bucks uniform. It was not good. A lot more mistakes. And Simeon didn't even play well. Like, Simeon did not even play well in this game. But Tom Brady, you know, kind of not gave this game away, but he played worse enough or bad enough to, uh, to ultimately lose
1: this one even as five-point favorites. Dude, him against New Orleans. Something about it. They, they have his number. Go back to last year. Oh, that's right, yeah. Three picks in that Week 9 game, no touchdowns, two picks in the Week 1 game. They also, I think, lost both of those. Then then even the playoffs like, wasn't great in that game. Uh, they, they get the win, but not because of what Brady did. It's because uh, Drew Brees couldn't move the ball to save his life. So I should have, I should have known better. I, I should have known that New Orleans, for some reason, has his number and, and had it once again. Now, so that play by C.J. Gardner-Donson we brought up earlier was fantastic. But that last interception that he threw in the two-minute drill was uh, rookie shit. Uh, it's like you'd expect that from Trevor Lawrence. I think Trevor Lawrence has legitimately thrown that pick, thrown that <laughs> pick this year. But that was uh, just about as unexpected an outcome, like you said, with Trevor Simeon coming in as we saw all weekend. Yeah.
0: Seth Galina, analyst here at PFFs, writing up a piece on that Saints defense and just how good it was against Tom Brady. and How good it's been this season? Like you said, the Ch- uh, Chauncey— Gardner Johnson piece
1: was this, very, were very good. This was also the game that made me just like really realize that we have had some disastrous roughing calls over the weekend. That the roughing the passer rule has to change. A guy, it, it one, it should be like a quarterback has to go to the ground. I think it's. I think Justin Skeda tweeted that at me. I, I like that rule. If if a quarterback doesn't end up on the ground, how hard could you have hit him? Like how violently? I mean, if you blast him in the face. But, okay, so, like, that's the thing. A hand or arm to the face, unless it is legitimately a cocked back punch, but the vast majority of head and neck contact with arms, trying to get someone the ball. someone's trying to swat a ball, is nothing. That, that is less than a stiff arm. Mm-hmm. That happens every single play along offensive line, on tackles. That is, like, that is a very unassuming play. No one's ever gotten a concussion or concussion-like symptoms or whatever. From a hit like that, mm-hmm. those should not be. Those should immediately be removed from the roughing the passer lexicon. It just should be like that's yeah. that is not a roughing call. That is a normal movement that people make in the game of football. That again has no like negative consequences and an in, in, in injury risk associated.
0: I, I agree with what you're saying in that the roughing the passer penalty should be changed, but I will say if it does, if you did add the ruling that the the, the when player has to go to the ground, you could see a lot more flops. I think you'd see a lot, you get hit and you're just going straight yeah, to the I ground. Yeah, I'd like that, that, see... that
1: we know who's a bitch. Like, you know, no, we're...
0: that's, you won't want people getting those penalties and stuff like that. I, I think it does need to be reviewed. It needs to be reviewed. And I think why can't you review them? I I know that slows down the game and so much of what the NFL has tried to do is not slow down the game, but those are 15-yard automatic first down penalties and sometimes lead to ejection. Those should be reviewed. Those should be reviewed, in my opinion. And it can be a quick review. It doesn't have to be this long-winded review. If it does, if it doesn't look malicious, yeah. then it needs to be. It needs to be called back. Like you can initially call it all you want, but yeah, I agree with you 100%. Cowboys, Vikings, another another game with a shit and f- call. Tr- tr- terrell Basham, Kirk Cousins. That was Mid-Wayna terrible. Four. That was terrible. Oh, like he didn't put his weight on him or anything. I thought that's what it was going to be. Like yeah.
1: he did not put his full weight into his body at all. Legitimately, could have been game-changing. Obviously, the Vikings. Shit the bed, lose in the end, but that could have like that extended a drive that could have been the game winner for the Vikings. So, man, like uh, another one that like c- just needs to be out of the game because those are so in- inconsistently called one and two, just so unavoidable in a lot of scenarios. Uh, you basically, if if you're a defender, you can't. If a guy pump fakes, you you can never make tackles. You know, like it, yeah. if you really wanted to take that out of the game. Uh, like you could never tackle a guy making a pump fake ever, or else that you would risk roughing the passer. That's just how it's going right now.
0: The uh, Cowboys win this one 2016 with Cooper Rush starting. It opened at Dallas minus 2.5 with the assumption that Dak was playing. It closed at Minnesota minus 4.5 when that news was confirmed that Dak Prescott wasn't playing. But still, Cowboys win by 4 in this one. Easily You know, maybe the worst game that Kirk Cousins has played this year. He's been grading so well all season long. And the other note I had here too is Randy Gregory. He's I think the second highest graded edge in the NFL right now. He is breaking out and a honestly like a legitimate star for the Dallas Cowboys. I can't wait for them. They're expected to get DeMarcus Lawrence back at some point, right? If they can get Lawrence back and then they have Gregory, that defensive line, that defense is already exceeding expectations from last year, is gonna take, you know, more improvement.
1: Yeah. And then Micah Parsons is a just night and day difference over what Jalen Smith was last year for this team. I mean, just so much more sound, just so, so many more plays being made up the middle. And yeah, he has his fair share of uh, boneheaded mistakes, fair share of times being out of position. But then he also makes plays on the other side of the line of scrimmage that I don't think like anyone else does. Then he had eight stops in this game. Mm-hmm. Just a very impactful dude. And this is a different Vikings defense. And obviously, it doesn't take a lot to be different from what it was last year. They were maybe the worst in the NFL or one of. But they are so much improved. Of over what we saw last year, that this is uh it's a real Super Bowl team. I mean shit, even with not with Cooper Rush, but to beat a Vikings team with your backup quarterback is, on the road is special.
0: Yeah. I think this Dallas Cowboys team is firmly in the Super Bowl hunt in the NFC. Monday night football, and then we'll jump to our fun to watch, watch, rookie of the week, kick your pants, tailgate review, etc. Monday night football, you're taking the Chiefs minus nine and a half. I'm on Giants plus nine and a half. And I'm going to Eric Eager's house noted chiefs fan to watch it with him Ooh. so i think i'm gonna be bringing some giants energy to I'm a, I'm a much needed balance at don't, do that. don't
1: be that guy we'll you're that guy, that guy in Notre name everyone hates that guy everyone That's hates true. that guy who wants to root against you just for the fun of rooting against you. it's like i have i have a good can, story about we being can that be guy. In pros- we can prosper we can have a good time we can lose or win in fellowship but you choose <laughs> what the hell are you talking about
0: <laughs> loser win in fellowship? I have a good story about being that guy in the Niners Ravens Super Bowl. My dad raised me mm-hmm. to hate the Niners. You yeah. hate the San Francisco good. 49ers, even though they're not your division. You hate them. The games where they would play every year in the preseason before there were so many fights at Oakland Coliseum that they stopped that preseason rivalry. You just you hated them. My dad in that Super Bowl said, "Ah, oh, I kind of want the Niners to win, Bay Area team." I did, I couldn't talk to him for a week. Yeah, I couldn't talk to him for a week. I can't believe it. He was saying "we," and you know, what? when you're oh. a fan, when you're a fan, "we" is sacred. And I, you could you could debate whether or not that's like kind of like psych, psycho to even do that when you're not a part of the no, team. Like, I, I we
1: police. I, yeah. I'm a we policer. You're
0: a we policer? I think a lot, and people should be. But he, we would you obviously say when you're a kid like we as in the Raiders, we're we're, we're going down, you know, at half too early, whatever. He's like. We just need to get back, run the football with San Francisco. i screamed at the top of my lungs, we it was a, it was a rough time to be a kid seeing your dad just you know turn to the dark side. And uh, dad, if you're listening, I don't think you are. Um, I would definitely encourage you to 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 go back and you we know, honestly wish you didn't do that. <laughs> All right. On to fun to read. Adam Schefter making the list, which you rarely see. We talked about this one a little bit over the weekend. He sends out that memed picture of Rogers when his helmet's like blown off his head and he's got the chin strap around his nose. And then he says it's okay to be the weak, weak chinned, no ass guy. Yeah,
1: I don't, I don't really understand what he's talking so, so, about. So okay, is it is okay being the weak chinned, no ass guy? And this was one. It's no one got the reference. It's like you said, it didn't, you didn't get what he was talking about. It was in reference to Aaron Rodgers on the um, Pat McAfee interview he does every week on like Tuesdays. Uh, that are always actually pretty good. Uh, if you are a pac fan, I would highly recommend. But said something about Adam Schefter, and he said, I, I, shit, I forget the exact wording, but he referred to him as weak chin, no ass guy, or something like that. He was like, I don't want to be a weak chin, no ass guy. And then- About Schefter? It was kind of like in reference. It wasn't like completely clear, I believe, what he was referencing. And so Schefter tweets it out, which like, it didn't make sense. The context that it was in on the Pat Mac show didn't make sense for Adam after to say it. With that picture, it was kind of just a weird hodgepodge. And he got just absolutely dogged. Kurt Benkert, who's on the Packers practice squad, said, L tweet, L personality. Just replied to him. <laughs> That's <laughs> incredible. <laughs> just And it was like... I, I, no one got it. It was such a weird-ass tweet, but it was definitely fun to read. Tyron
0: Matthew on a deleted tweet yes. makes this. Tyron Matthew's also a friend of the show. He's been on this podcast. He also personally thanked me when I paid off my student Not thank me. Congratulated me when I paid off my student loans yes, on Twitter. That. People forget. People forget these things, but he's on the fun to read for a deleted tweet.
1: Yeah, this one was actually incredible. Um, he quote tweets this tweet from Dan Price Seattle, who I have no clue who it is, but said, saying, Elon Musk just became the first person in the history of civilization to be worth $300 billion. If your salary was $1 million a year and you never spent any of it, you would reach his current $302 billion net worth 302,000 years from now. He pays an effective tax rate of 3.3%. And then Tyron Matthew quote tweets this, and he says, and there are people who worry about what Tyron Matthew tweets, LMAO, which like I don't understand the
0: relationship.
1: There's none. That's the thing. <laughs> he could have quote tweeted hey, the third a picture of Barney and said, and there are people who care about what Tyron Matthew <laughs> tweets, LMAO. There was just there was nothing. There was no correlation between oh. his tweets and uh, that. And it's like yeah there are people who care about your tweets there are Chiefs fans there are fans of the NFL they they, they pay attention to what you do um so does he, often, Ryan, that, that does one, he often tweet he, in the third person um no but he does often delete tweets he's like the he's the king of the frustrated A tweet deleter tweet and then delete it which I mean I'm just glad I didn't have Twitter when I was like in high school or something and probably had some would have had some disastrous things just like after Bad games, yeah. Just like I tweeted, tweet Wisconsin stinks. And, yeah, I tweeted, <laughs> I tweeted well, <laughs> well, Wisconsin different.
0: stinks in uh, Chicago from the yeah. bar, and I had to delete that one. That was not. That was not my pr- proudest moment. For Tyron Matthew, if he doesn't often tweet in the third person, there is part of me too that like thinks he thought he was on a burner, but maybe wasn't. Like because because I don't see him do that a lot. I don't see yeah. him do Tyron Matthew. So I don't know. I'm not try- I'm speculating on a friend of the show. I'm not going to do it. uh One more fun to read from Jack Kennedy here. <laughs>
1: This one was great, this Jack is, this, Kennedy. This was you Ken, retweeted Ken Jack this. from. This was actually a fun to read. This one was just hilarious. It was. This is before Monday Night Football. He said, "I heard Jackson Mahomes is on route to the 9/11 Memorial ahead of tonight's game." Sure,
0: you you versus Jackson Mahomes is a rivalry that the po- the podcast fans it are latching onto.
1: I have no problem with them. It just literally is hilarious to me because it's so cringy and like, I just know that. Patrick has to be getting so much shit. Like, like Yo, I'm yeah. not the only person who the locker sees room has to have thrown some And it's just like, what the hell is going on? Uh, every single video he posts, the one on the obviously this is tweets in reference to the one in the Sean Taylor memorial, but uh the complete obliviousness of Jackson Mahomes to, or maybe he's not oblivious, but to how he's perceived in the rest of the world is kind of incredible.
0: All right. Before we get off of fund to watch uh, on the fund to watch, watch only two tweets there. The Taiwan announced on the pod live. Titans are signing Adrian Peterson to the roster here. Adrian Peterson, officially the oldest
1: running back in the NFL.
0: I expect to come in and split opportunities with Jeremy McNichols out of the gate, but could you know depending on what, how much tread is on these tires, could potentially be the lead back there for Tennessee. Your reaction to Dude, this
1: signing? How fucking much does Adrian Peterson just love football? Oh, he has to. He has to. The dude has uh, 3,192 career carries. Maybe he's just, maybe he's chasing like records at this point. I don't know. But he's 36 years old, has an insane amount of tread on the tires. Uh, it's one of the all time workhorses and is going to an offense that obviously just had a workhorse themselves that may be in, is in need of one. But dude, 36 years old, just, you got enough, I, I would hope, to live well the rest of your life uh, it would be nice to walk when you're in your 50s but he's trending towards maybe that not being the case unfortunately
0: yeah that's this is going to be a meat grinder he's excited to join a contender that's a quote from josina anderson i'm I'm interested to see i, I think it's smart they were, i knew they were going to add someone and i also think it's smart that they're not trading or at least not yet i think it is smart to not trade for someone when you can sign an adrian peterson off the street i think he can come in with jeremy mcnichols and obviously not to replace what derrick henry does but from a resourcing standpoint, I think it does make sense to go for the signage route with how many you know, talented running backs there are available. So Adrian Peterson coming in, I think, will be an interesting addition, but in no way, shape, or form, in my opinion, going to mitigate the loss of Derrick Henry. Fun to watch, watch. Mm. Every time, every, you know, we get tagged in a lot of these things. I also miss some. I feel like there's so many now. Like I think everyone says someone's fun to watch at certain sure. points. But Akeem Hicks called Justin Fields fun to watch. Yes. And then we also the had... third
1: Justin Fields mentioned <laughs> Which, not which, a lot of people are giving like glowing reviews of his actual performance, but watching it, always a good time. So, that's been Joe Burrow said it. I forget who else said it. And then Akeem Hicks. We've got multiple guys giving him this fun to watch stamp of approval.
0: This, for the first time, I think this is the most accurate, yep. fun to watch ever. Jameis Winston, according to Barstool Big Cat, is so much fun to watch. Chaos at all times, and that rings on and off the football field. His workout videos, when he was dancing on crutches after they won, like Jameis Winston is objectively fun to watch. And I'm not, no, there is no other take with Jameis Winston. You know, there is. People call him the roller coaster. Roller coasters are fun to watch. He is objectively fun to watch, and it's honestly the this award should honestly be called the Jameis Winston Award because he is the most fun to watch player in the NFL.
1: Should we call it the honorary from here on out? After obviously tearing his ACL this past weekend the Honorary Jameis Winston. Fun to watch. I
0: think summer. so. I'm, I'm I'm ready to do it. All right. Yep, it's the Honorary Jameis Winston. Fun to watch. Summer. Rookie of the Week, Gregory Rousseau for the Buffalo Bills. Graded super well this past week. You also had honorable mentions for Michael Carter, running back of the New York Jets, and then Micah Parsons, the Dallas Cowboys <laughs> linebacker.
1: Yeah, Carter maybe gets it if he didn't have a drop in that game as well because I think it, over 100 yards on the ground, almost or over 100 yards through the air, almost 100 on the ground. He was... The electric dude we saw at North Carolina, and as we mentioned pre-draft, one of the best receiving backs coming out in this draft, showed that uh, play after play after play with Gregory Roussel, and now you could say the competition level, he was going up against the toilet paper roll that is the Miami Dolphins offensive line, but five pressures in the game, uh, was the highest grade defender, uh, rookie defender of the week, and Th- Through a few different moves in there. So yeah, 87.7 overall, great. A, f- a few more than we've seen. I think I said early on that someone asked me about the preseason, and, and it was very encouraging, but it was kind of still the same collapse-the-pocket long arm that we saw. And, and, yeah, he went back to that, and, and that's a deadly move. That's going to be his bread and butter with kind of who he is physically with a linear like skill set-wise and sort of physically kind of he's going to be a Rashawn Gary type of pass rusher. That's kind of who he is as an athlete. But I thought you saw him use his hands a little bit better, went on some inside moves in this game that was very encouraging if you're a Bills fan. And again, competition level, going up against, shit. was it Jesse Davis on the mm-hmm. right side? Not great, but.
0: I mean, that Miami Dolphins offensive line. But yeah,
1: but Greg <laughs> Rousseau, a good game before we get to the blackout of the week
0: maybe re-reference your cake your pants and then the tailgate review which will be an interesting one to say the least going to mention DraftKings NFL fans hungry for a big win this week DraftKings Sportsbook official sports betting partner of the NFL has you covered new customers can bet just five dollars on any NFL team to win their game and if they do you win $200 in free bets winner winner chicken dinner it's that simple a sportsbook isn't available in your state yet DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings daily fantasy sports contest DraftKings DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit download the DraftKings sportsbook app now use promo code pff bet just five dollars on any nfl team to win their game and win 200 dollars in free bets if they win you win with promo code pff this week at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nfl it must be 21 years or older new jersey indiana or pennsylvania only new customers only minimum five dollar deposit one dollar wager required one for customer restrictions apply see draftkings.com sportsbook for details gambling problem call 1-800 gambler Uh, blackout of the week Dan Moore off the tackle with
1: Pittsburgh Steelers the hated 0.0 pass blocking grid Mm. double bagel tough and it was like this one is almost you almost hate to include him because he is a guy that legitimately I don't don't say shouldn't have been starting like he's been an NFL he's an NFL caliber player but he was a fourth round rookie going up against Miles Garrett the best edge rusher in the NFL and yeah, they tried to scheme around as best they could, but it was still anytime they went one on one, it was, it was, he was not blocking him. It did not block him in this game. Five pressures allowed. Uh, it was not great. And like I said, the 0.0. So that was your unfortunate blackout of the week. Finally, the tailgate review.
0: My goodness. So I'll tell the story. Tailgate review, we do the college football live show, and we're, Excited. They, they theme the show a little bit after the world's yes. largest outdoor cocktail party. They have us on the show because we're going, bring some tailgate energy to the College Football Live show, which you can find, I think, at 11 a.m. on Fridays on YouTube every single week. We're like, yep, we're going to Jacksonville right after this, right after this. We're going to jump on the flight. We do. We get there. Um, you have TSA pre-check, so you leave me and David Sofaro in line, a so, long line, at the Cincinnati Airport, which you hate to see. We get on this flight to Charlotte. We have a transfer or a, a connecting flight in Charlotte to Jacksonville. Excited. Stoked, really. We land in Charlotte. Notification on our phones. As soon as we turn off airplane mode, your flight to Jacksonville is canceled. Customer service line is an absolute nightmare. We find out that the crew at American Airlines, they're having some walkout due to the COVID vaccine mandate at American Airlines. So this is not weather-related. And when it's not weather-related, it is not comped (laughs) so they can get you home but hotels are not comped and all that stuff so a little frustration there we're not we want to get to jacksonville but the only flights that were made available wouldn't get us there until like right around when the game was starting so we felt like the trip would have been you know you can't tailgate when the game's starting so we end up finding the first flight back out to cincy we stay one night in charlotte which charlotte by the way if we want to review charlotte was pretty sweet i like charlotte good bar good bar scene right on halloween weekend but um we did not make it to the world's largest outdoor cocktail party and jacksonville suddenly has become a rival of the podcast
1: yeah that or american airlines american airlines is the rival of the podcast i didn't go and tweet it because i hate people that tweet it because it's like we get it you're trying to use your clout for or the fact that maybe you have a blue check mark to your advantage everyone was in the same boat as we were we're we, there were a lot of people that were way more fucked than we were Yeah, for, oh, in terms yeah. of flights. People were literally stranded, had like been at the airport. We got to the airport in Charlotte probably like 8 p.m. There were people we talked to that had been there all day long stuck because every single one of their flights got canceled. So we had it a little bit better than a lot of people in that we just spent an unfortunate night in Charlotte and had to fly back in the morning. But- God damn, the world's all out of It's on the gosh. list
0: for next year, I guess. Like, I mean, we, we, we have to get back on there. We have to make a play. I it was unfortunate. They
1: did still get to see Georgia in a couple weeks at Tennessee, but that was, that would have been fun. The
0: other thing is that you have an American Express card. So you are able to get us into the free lounge at oh, the airport yeah. and we had some food, had some drinks. That was a good time. That was a good time. I mean, we turned red lights into green. Highly
1: recommend. I, I, if you've never been in an airport lounge, everything's free. Obviously, like, you tip one out, but like, it it is worth you know you pay a couple hundred bucks if you travel probably you pay a couple hundred bucks for a credit card if you travel a few times a year it is worth every single penny Absolutely. Highly recommend.
0: That's going to do it for this episode of Tailgate. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, We are going to be on to the Wednesday episode. We're going to have Max Mitchell on, offensive tackle for Louisiana, also the highest-graded offensive tackle in the country. Fantastic storyline there at ULL. Until next time, Austin Gale, Mike Renner, and also the producers, David Safaro, Max Chadwick, Stone Rochelle, Mike Quinn, Tailgate.